everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a match from Podmatch. He's a leadership coach for Catalytic Leadership, a company he founded to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. He has served in a local community uh, ministry for over 25 years and is currently the lead pastor of Southview Community Church, a church in Herndon, Virginia. It's William Attaway. Hi, William. Hey, Julia. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, I've been uh, in local church ministry now for, uh, it'll be 25 years later this year. Uh, I came out of the business world. And one of the things that I've been incredibly passionate about uh, during my journey is leadership and understanding Mm -hmm. what leadership actually is. And I believe so much of that is rooted in scripture. So when I teach, that comes through loud and clear. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is actually in that vein. Um, I've been married for 24 years to my wife, Charlotte. We have two daughters and we live in Northern Virginia, just outside of Winchester. Okay. I'm originally, well, I'm originally from Ohio and then I went, um, I got my degrees at Catholic University in DC. Um, So then I was in the Northern Virginia area for a while. I taught at a school in Alexandria and I lived in Arlington for a minute. So I'm pretty familiar with, um, with that area. So how long have you guys been there? 25 years? We have been actually in Northern Virginia for uh, almost 18 now. We came here from Texas where I did uh, graduate school. Yeah. Okay. Are you originally from Texas? No, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, though it's been a while. (laughs) Okay. I like Alabama and Birmingham so much history. Like I definitely like it down there. Have you gotten, do you get back there much? Not as much as I would like to see family, Mm -hmm. but uh, but Mm -hmm. whenever we do, we really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I um, moved to Richmond. So I'm in Richmond, Virginia now. I moved um, about seven years now, which is crazy. I loved the D.C. and Northern Virginia area, but um, I just needed less traffic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I know. I get it. Tra- yeah. <laughs> definitely less, less traffic down here for sure. Um, do you spend much time on the Beltway or are you able to avoid that? Uh, no, I, I, I actually, we moved, we lived for 13 years, very close to the church, but because of the, the housing prices there, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so when we decided to to say, we're going to be here for a while, we bought a house, but we had to buy farther out. So we're actually out near Winchester, which is about an yeah. hour west. Yeah. Um, so I drive in from this direction. So it's not, not terribly bad traffic. Uh, definitely not as far as the Beltway, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing there. If people really do, they'll, they'll, drive hours you know it's it's crazy here it's funny because people complain about traffic but it's literally like you know you're stuck in traffic for like maybe 15 minutes i'm like y'all have no idea you know (laughs) um but anyway thank you so much for being here william and we are going to talk and we were chatting before i hit record and you got your doctorate like in old testament studies correct what like you want to give your your specifics what your your specific degree in I did. It's in Old Testament and with a focus on the biblical backgrounds and archaeology of of this time period. So think uh, historical, geographical, cultural, linguistic context. 
I'm so excited about it. We, I'm such a nerd for this. And I love doing like having guests on. I, I tell my guests, like, you don't have to have any kind of scholarly scriptural background. Like, you know, every guest brings their own flair too. but I'm, I'm excited to geek out a little bit. So we are doing um, <laughs> Exodus, which we haven't done at all, which is surprising to me. No one's picked Exodus and we're doing Exodus um, chapter 18, verse 18. So I'm going to have you read that for us. And which translation are you using, by the way? I'm using the English Standard Version. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and read that verse for us? You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Okay. So I'm going to give us just a little bit of context. And then certainly since you are the scholar, like you could get, you know, add on to it. Um, but we are at the part of Exodus where they have been freed from slavery and they're wandering in the wilderness. It is actually Jethro that's speaking in this passage, I believe. And Jethro is Moses's father-in-law. Moses, when he was exiled earlier in Exodus from Egypt and saw the burning bush, he had married a woman out in Midian and so um, Zipporah and so Jethro is her father. And so then later when they're freed and they're wandering in the wilderness, Jethro and, and again is with Moses and he's just kind of in awe of the Lord and he's in awe of all the things that Moses and the Lord are doing. However, he's afraid that Moses is going to like burn himself out and that um, he can't do it alone like he says here. So I don't know. Would you say that's kind of accurate yeah. or do you want to add to that? Spot on. Spot on. Okay, good. Okay. Well, why did my first guess or my first question for all my guests is just why did you pick this passage out of all the verses in the Bible? You know, I think I think God created us to live in community. I think that's mm-hmm. part of his character, his nature, mm-hmm. uh, because he exists eternally in community, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right. And and that is a mystery and it is very difficult for us to wrap our heads around. Yeah. But I think that's part of what it means to be created in the image of God our capacity for our need for community. Mm-hmm. We simply can't do this thing by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so in this passage, this is this is now one of my favorite passages. I'm currently teaching through Exodus with the church that I lead. And this is this is now becoming very quickly one of my favorite passages of scripture. Moses is this larger than life figure in church history, right? I mean, we look at Moses and we're just kind of in awe. Mm-hmm. He's human just like you and I. And I love how scripture records Moses with all of his warts, right? Everything that Mm -hmm. is good, bad, and ugly, it's all there. Mm -hmm. Moses has just been through, talk about a mountaintop moment, right? I mean, he's been Mm -hmm. like, they've been, have gone through the plagues of Egypt, right? These signs that, that God has done intersecting history in a very unique way. And the people have been freed. And it's not that they've been freed from something as much as they've been freed to something. Sure, Mm -hmm. they've been freed from slavery. But Mm -hmm. over and over, you see God telling Moses, I want the people to be free to serve, to worship Mm -hmm. me. Like it's the freedom to that you just keep Mm -hmm. seeing over and over again. So they're on their way out and they're on their way to Mount Sinai, which is Mm -hmm. where God had originally met Moses at the burning bush. And he had told him the sign that everything I've told you is true is that you're going to bring the people back here and worship me here. And that's what they're going to do. This is the fulfillment sign that's going to bring culmination to everything God has promised to Moses. They're on their way. Jethro intersects and and brings Zipporah and Moses' kids because apparently he had sent them back to Jethro while everything's going on in Egypt. 
you know, right. for safety, security makes sense, right? right? <laughs> and so they get there and they intersect and, and there's this reunion. And I love this passage because it, there's so much of what you, even today in the ancient Near East it is so true. This mutual respect between Moses and his father-in-law, the bowing, the kissing, this this respect for one's elders and respect for position. Jethro is is described as the priest of Midian. Mm-hmm. And what exactly does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. is 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 he a priest of of the one true God? Is that is that mm-hmm. what this is? A lot mm-hmm. of scholarly dissent here. We don't mm-hmm. know exactly. Scripture doesn't tell us. And I think it's, it, we should be careful about saying, well, it has to be this. Well, careful. Let Scripture mm-hmm. say what it says. Mm-hmm. But but he intersects Moses and he's there. And and I love what he says just before this. He says, um, wow, look what God did. Blessed be the Lord who's delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. What is that? But the fulfillment, we see the very beginning fulfillment of what God had promised to Abraham back in Genesis 12, mm-hmm. right? That through you, Abraham, through your descendants, I will bless all people. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is not just for you, but it'll be through you, right? I was just going to say it's very reminiscent reminiscent of the other patriarchs that like, um, like Jacob too, when God reaffirms that even though Jacob got the blessing in a kind of haphazard, you know, roundabout <laughs> way that like, but God honors that. And so you're right here and in the burning bush as well, we get that affirmation of like, I am the God of your, your, you know, forefathers of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And um, so I like how you brought that up and it, it's that reaffirmation here. Absolutely. You mentioned um, you, you do a lot with leadership and that you feel like this verse reflects and, and kind of has that theme. So how do you see that connection with, um, I mean, I can kind of see it, but where, where, where do you see it? <laughs> so, you know, so often we think of a leader as somebody like Moses, right? The yeah. out front person, the one who's, who's kind of the, the, the one in charge. And that, that can be true, right? And many times it is true, but no leader leads alone. Mm-hmm. Every leader stands on the shoulders of those who've gone before and is benefiting from every person who has poured into their life. Mm-hmm. Who's the hero of Exodus 18? It's not Moses. It's Jethro. Mm-hmm. Moses is in a pattern. He's developing a habit as he is leading the people in the wilderness. And that that pattern, that habit, is that he's taking on more and more and more. More work, more time right? There's more to do. Just got to keep going, keep piling on. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not sustainable, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to see the whole picture when you're in the frame. Mm. And that's where the beauty of one of God's gifts to us, which is community, comes through here in this passage, in this verse. Mm -hmm. Because somebody comes alongside Moses and says, hey, what you're doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. You are not able to do this alone. Moses could not see that. He needed someone to come alongside him and to help him see what he could not see. I love that. I think that is that is fantastic. And that is truly what I model my work as a leadership coach on. I come alongside leaders and ask questions to help them see what they're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's how a leader gets better. Yeah. And it's interesting because when we hear the story, usually typically of Moses, we do think of him as kind of like the standalone 
just one-on-one. He goes up to the mountain and prays and he gets the message for the people and his face radiates. And like, you know, he's, he's kind of the mouthpiece, but even though we know Aaron too was there because originally Moses like didn't want to speak or didn't know how to speak. And so he like Aaron helps him. Um, But even then we see Aaron kind of in a negative way with like what happens with the golden calf and everything. So I really just feel like the focus is a lot on Moses. We think of Exodus. So I really like how you're bringing out this, that you can't do it alone. And Jethro mentions that specifically and that Jethro kind of helps him. And, and, you know, we think of the community at this time that we hear a lot about the Israelites like groaning, in the wilderness, right? And Moses kind of <laughs> right. having to deal with them. So it's just interesting to, to see like, yeah, no, he did have a community, even though maybe we often historically pair them kind of at odds. I don't know. What do you make of that? Like that we kind of m- remove Moses and separate like him in the community, like that division. Do you feel that? Or am I just making that up? No, no, I think that's, that's definitely true. And and there is a sense of the burden that Moses carried mm-hmm. because, you know, he he complains to God a number of times about this. Did Mm -hmm. I give birth to all these people? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm responsible for all of them. I'm I'm not a fan here, God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to need you here. Well, I was going to say, like, in your work with leadership, then do you find that leaders do feel similarly to Moses? Like, do that they feel that, like, they are separate from the community or, like, the community is a burden? Do you find that leaders feel that way sometimes? I do. I think leadership can be very lonely. And it is very difficult to understand the weight and the burden of it unless you've experienced it. So then how can we bridge those gaps or like heal that, that, um, like that break, you know, like how can we bring the community and leaders together either in this context or in, in like real life today? I think it's important to, to realize that nobody is an island. Nobody is the the larger than life picture that sometimes we paint leaders as, whether it's in a church context, whether it's in a, a, a corporate context or small business context, nobody can do everything with excellence all the time perfectly, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We need one another. And I think the that what I see here, and, and I think Moses' greatest contribution in this passage is the teachable spirit that he brings. Mm-hmm. He is when when Jethro comes. I mean, your father-in-law comes and gives you some unsolicited advice, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes the response to that might not be as positive. Mm-hmm. Moses is teachable, mm-hmm. and he understands that he doesn't know everything. And I love that about him. And sometimes I think we overlook that. We see Moses as the law giver, the one who's constantly mm-hmm. judging and 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 making decisions. But how teachable we see him here with a relationship that's pretty close to him. Mm-hmm. He listens, he adopts it, and he benefits from it. But he's not the only one that benefits. When a leader gets better, everybody they lead benefits from that. I think that's a really good point. I think sometimes we have that like severance between the leaders and the community because like what you said, Moses is seen as the law giver, even though it comes from God. You know, he's the he's the messenger, right? And it's that yep. don't kill the yep. messenger. But like there is because um Usually the leaders have to be the rule enforcers. No one really likes, you know, someone to tell them, you know, you have to keep the rules. So I feel like Moses does get that in position and probably with the people you see, the the work that you do. And I, and just from my own personal experience, too, like that having to be like the rule keeper, mm-hmm. moderator, like that's not easy. That's not fun. I don't yeah. know. So what do you give, like what advice do you have for somebody who is struggling with that, like as a leader? I think the first thing that I would say, and and one thing I coach leaders on pretty frequently is the importance of that teachable spirit. Mm -hmm. I think we have to model that. And when we model that, 
the people that were leading will pick up on it and they begin to catch it. Mm-hmm. You know, they follow what we model. They emulate what we model as leaders. Mm-hmm. If we model that we're teachable, that we're humble, that we don't know it all, mm-hmm. that we are on a journey too, that we are learning, mm-hmm. then they're going to be much more likely to begin to follow that pattern as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my, my classroom, you know, if a student asks a question, they just assume I know everything to the point sure. where I'm like, I'm You're subbing like a class, like I'm, sub- <laughs> I'm like subbing for another teacher. And, you know, I do not teach science. I do not teach Spanish. And the kids are like asking me these questions. I'm like, I am, you know, I'm a sub, you know what I teach. Like, I don't have these answers, guys. <laughs> also, like if, even if it is in my area, like if it's something really obscure, you know, in the Bible that I don't know exactly, you know, I will say like, I'll have to go I'll have to go find out. I'll get back to you on that. Or like, let's Google that together. Why don't we search that together or like work it out? And I kind of do love those teachable moments um, where the kids and I are like learning together. Like, well, let's look at, let's look that up together, guys. You know, I think that's, um, I hope that that models for them. Like, you know, I don't know everything. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what you're showing them, right? Through your Mm -hmm. example, instead of just posturing Mm -hmm. and pretending like you got it all together. And this, I think has been a problem for, for generations of leaders who wanted mm-hmm. to put on this, uh, this, this facade as though they, you know, don't let them see you sweat. You know, you're bulletproof, mm-hmm. you know, you know, right. it all, you know, all the answers. Yeah. That's, that's not leadership. That's something else. Let's call that something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, it does when a leader is more relatable, you know, I think of like those like celebrity magazines, it's like the celebrities are just like us. They get coffee just like us. They walk their dogs right. just like, you know, I think that, you know, when a leader not necessarily like makes a mistake, but like, has a moment that's like relatable, um, you know, that is, that is helpful um, in bridging that gap that we were talking about earlier. Um, Something I was, when I was reading this passage initially, um, I think it says something, or maybe this happens right before, or maybe Jethro, maybe you can correct me, but um, I feel like Jethro is observing Moses kind of going off by himself a lot. Is that correct? Just before that? this, he's noticing that yeah. Moses goes out every day, right? And yeah. from like early in the morning till late at night, he's rendering decisions on everything. Mm-hmm. People are bringing everything to Moses. Mm-hmm. Like he's the only one who can make a decision or judge a dispute or make mm-hmm. a judgment about anything. <laughs> like mm-hmm. He's the only one. Well, this is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. Every day. Think about mm-hmm. the delay in judgment and the delay in decision-making that this has to mean. You mm-hmm. could be waiting for days to get to your point in line with Moses. Mm-hmm. So then what do you great. make of that? Like what, if, what, if you are, if you are like trying to guide a leader that is experiencing something like that, like what would you suggest to help them? That you cannot do everything. That if mm-hmm. you don't learn to delegate, if you don't learn to share what you know with other people who can then make those decisions for you in your place, mm-hmm. you're going to burn out. Yeah. Like you're going to flame out. It's going to happen. You're not built for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even as somebody um, who's like underneath, like I, you know, I have a principle, I have it like, I think um, it also is helpful when like they delegate and give me jobs because it makes me feel good like it empowers me like that I don't have to go to them with all the answers you know that that they can turn to me and say Julia you are totally capable of going you know let me put you in charge of that you you know you were asking me about that why don't you go why don't you go do that like that actually is good you know I enjoy like being given that responsibility and then that shows me you know them as my leader value me and like find me capable do you know what I mean 
Absolutely. That's wise leadership. Yeah. It's so why do you think you can trust? Why do you think leaders don't often delegate like that though? Or do you find mm. that? Do I do find leaders that. struggle. Why do you <laughs> think they struggle with that? Particularly founders, I think, mm-hmm. you know, founders really struggle with this because it's their baby. Like, you know, they, they had it from the beginning and there's one way to do things their way. Mm-hmm. And I think making the turn and beginning to understand that that does not scale. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that does not create a sustainable pace for the leader. Once you get that, then you're much more willing to open your hands a little bit and say, hey, maybe just maybe I can trust people. Because really, it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust mm-hmm. and control. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the root of that. Mm-hmm. Now, is that Moses' problem here? Is the problem that he doesn't trust anybody else? That he just feels like he has to control everything? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't get that sense here. Because mm-hmm. I think otherwise he wouldn't be quite so quick to take Jethro's suggestion. His mm-hmm. teachable spirit, I think, indicates that, that he's open to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really hard to see the whole picture when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. I think he just doesn't see it. And he needs somebody mm-hmm. to come alongside of him and say, hey, I don't know if you see what I see, but let me tell you what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's a better way here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't see Moses as the type of leader that feels like he... He has to take it on like we've seen several times where he's like, I need, you know, going to God like I need help. And I think he goes to God to receive that that help and that grace. Um, I, it com- You know, I I can't look at Moses and not think of Christ. Right. A lot of these patriarchs foreshadow our yeah. Lord. And um, I see like in the New Testament, Jesus having to go away from the crowd and kind of have these like recharging moments and yes. you know conversations with the father kind of one-on-one and I, I feel like Moses and Jesus I see that similarity I don't know and like that vibe of like Jesus having to take a break as a leader and, and regroup I don't know what do you make of that <laughs> I think you're right on you yeah. see Moses pulling away you know in different places in in the Pentateuch where he's he's pulling aside and he's talking to God and he's just mm-hmm. just pouring his heart out and mm-hmm. what do you see in the gospels but Jesus doing the exact same thing he's pulling mm-hmm. aside he has to leave the crowds because they're just so there's the, every everybody wants something from you, both for Moses and for Jesus. Mm-hmm. For Moses, they want him to make decisions, help make decisions, tell us what to do. With Jesus, they want him to to, to do miracles, to heal them, you know, mm-hmm. do some signs and wonders for us, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Both of them have the crowds just pressing in, and they got to get away, and they got to reconnect right. with the source. Right. And I think that shows that as leaders, we too need that time to recharge. I think I see a lot of leaders, like like we were talking earlier, like feeling that they have to do everything themselves, whether that's like a, a trust or maybe sometimes I think in my line of work, they don't want to burden teachers like the leaders mm-hmm. above, like they don't want to put the burden on us because they know that we are doing a lot too. So they'll do it themselves, but that's yeah. not sustainable either. So I think what Moses and Jesus are teaching us is that we need to recharge. Like if we're going to continue to give, like even if if Jesus had to go and recharge, like I'm good, you know, like if he had to go take some (laughs) self-care prayer time, I can have some self-care, you know, I don't know. Yes. Yes. I I think you see the example of, of not saying somebody else's no for them. Don't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm just going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this on you. I don't want to burden you with this. I'm not going to say your no for you. Maybe you're exactly the person that needs to handle this based on how you're gifted and how you're wired and how Mm -hmm. you're designed. I think, yeah, like that just, that just made me pause. Like, I think 
if we spent and you see this maybe in your line of work and, and and like doing retreats and like groups where you're getting to know people's skills and like the Enneagram and like what color are you and what like sure. what Myers-Briggs <laughs> are you and all this stuff. And, you know, I think that's meant to help us to get to know one each another's gifts so that you can delegate and that you can say like, Julia, you're really, you're, you know, you're really good at this. You have this skill. Like, why don't you go do that? But do you see leaders actually taking that stuff and applying that often or? That's what I coach them to do. In fact, yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that, that I talk about pretty frequently is you have to first discover your wiring as a leader, how you are designed and how you're created. And once you understand your gifts and your skills and passions and talents, and you understand your wiring, then your next step as a leader is to discover the wiring of those that you lead, right? Mm -hmm. The team that I have, like I know how they're wired. I know their gifts. I know their passions. I know their, their families. I know what's going on in their world because they're not just, you know, they're not just one dimensional people. Mm -hmm. My job is to pour into and invest in them and equip them and lift them to achieve what it is that God's designed them to be and to mm -hmm. do. And that's mm -hmm. my job as a leader is to do that, to lift and equip and encourage and inspire. And, and and if I'm doing that, then I think that's exactly what we're seeing Moses do and exactly what we saw Jesus do with the disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like getting to know their gifts. And um, I, I'm glad that that's the trend. I, I like We're starting to see this shift because I think for so long, you know, our American capitalistic, like kind of just production culture, yeah. like we want to produce, 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 you know, and so we don't want to take that waste the time to like get to know or like to chit chat. But now we're seeing like, if you want a more productive worker, they need that kind of like morale boosting. And you know, like that's <laughs> yes. going to produce better quality of work. Absolutely. We have we inherited this mindset from the Greeks, I think, that mm. that we have these compartmented lives, and that mm -hmm. none of the compartments overlap like those plates I love to eat off of at Thanksgiving, right? With the little <laughs> walls between the food where nothing touches. <laughs> I love that. We think our lives are like that. And we think that mm -hmm. one part doesn't affect any of the other parts. When the mm -hmm. fact is that we are designed and created as integrated beings and every part touches every other part. And what happens at work and what happens at home, they affect each other. <laughs> And what mm -hmm. happens in this part of my life affects this part. And, and when we understand that, then we begin to see the people that we lead and we begin to see our team members that we work with, not just as one-dimensional people who do a task, but we see them as fully orbed people. You know, they're, they're, they're husbands, their wives, their their daughters, their sons. Mm -hmm. and, and when we see them that way and we lead them that way, I believe we honor them. And mm -hmm. we treat them as image bearers, as we read about in scripture. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I, this we've we've gone like kind of a little bit. I wanted to talk about this leadership because I think you're right. Like I'm glad that we pulled out these the the, the leadership themes here. Um, I would I couldn't let you get away if you don't give me a little bit of more of like your you know your scriptural background, your archaeology. Like I don't know, do you have any like fun tidbits about this scripture? Like knowing it from the Hebrew or any kind of like I don't know nerdy facts about this that I would <laughs> scripturally like appreciate. You know, I think, I think that the, the whole book of Exodus, you know, we, we tend to think when we think about Exodus, we think about the plagues. We think about the, the right. people coming out of Egypt. And one of the things that, as I've been teaching through Exodus this time, one of the things that has jumped out at me is that the word plague appears very, very rarely in the text in Hebrew. Like we think it's everywhere. And in a lot of English translations, it is. 
But there's a word that is much more frequent and that I think is a better descriptor. It's the word yot in Hebrew, and it means signs. And you'll mm-hmm. see this usually coupled in signs and wonders, right? Mm-hmm. And God says, I will perform or I will do signs and wonders. Why? Why will God do that? Why is God doing these signs, what we think of as the plagues, the, the snake, the staff turning into a snake, and the parting of the, the Yom Suf, the Red Sea? Why is God doing that? Well, it's not just to show off, right? It's not just God saying, hey, look what I can do. No, there's always a purpose to a sign. And, and a yote in Hebrew in the text here is pointing to the fact that God is sovereign, that God is in charge, that he is in control of everything that happens. And that is something that the people of Egypt did not understand. Mm-hmm. And God demonstrated that pretty conclusively. <laughs> <laughs> they worshiped the God of the Nile, right? And, and the, God, the God of the Nile, Hapi, right? Like, that's the one we worship because the Nile is life-giving. And Moses strikes the Nile, and the Nile turns to blood. Guess what? There is no Hapi, right? Mm-hmm. They worship Ray, the sun god, because he's the one that makes the sun rise. What, what happens? There's a plague of darkness. Mm-hmm. They worship Pharaoh, because Pharaoh is, is the one who controls Ma'at and this idea of justice and peace in the land of Egypt, and really over the whole earth. He's the greatest of all the gods the Egyptians believed. And what happens in the last of the yote? Pharaoh's son is stricken. Mm-hmm. Wow, what's going on here? Every one of these signs points to the supremacy and the sovereignty of God. Every one of these signs points to the fact that there is one God and all the others are made up. I love that. Yeah. And so when I, when I come to this, they're coming out of that. Like they're coming out of that teaching, that understanding. And then I see Jethro this Gentile who comes to the party. And what does he say? Because he's heard, everybody in the region has heard what's happened in Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. And he comes, and one of the first things he says to Moses is, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Mm -hmm. Man, Mm -hmm. I I just, I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you think because he's heard of all the signs or because of what he sees now with Moses or all of the above? Like, why do you think he says that? I I think it's because of what he heard had happened. Mm -hmm. And then he sees Moses leading the people, a people who had been enslaved, who obviously Pharaoh did not want to let go because to let them go is to acknowledge that he is not divine, which he is not willing to do. Pride is Mm -hmm. an amazing motivator. Mm -hmm. But now Moses is coming out and he's leading all these people. And Jethro sees that. And he's heard about what's happened in Egypt. You couple those two things together, and guess what? Man, Moses, Moses, this this God that Moses is talking about, he must be something. You mentioned something earlier that I thought was really interesting about how Moses's job was to not just free them from something, but free them to something, like to the promised yes. land. Um, do you want to expand on that, or what do you, what do you? Yeah, absolutely. Make of that? The word in Hebrew that that you see repeated when God is talking to Moses, and He says, "You're going to bring the people to Sinai. You're going to bring them to Horeb." to abad in hebrew which the word is translated serve it's also translated worship same word right so when we serve what are we actually doing we're worshiping Mm -hmm. right and when we worship what are we actually doing we're serving Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i I love that picture Mm -hmm. what god is saying when he says to pharaoh let my people go through moses 
so that they may come and serve me. They may abide me. Pharaoh is demanding that they serve him. And this is the contest of wills, right? Whose will is going to win out here? That's the story of the first part of Exodus. Mm-hmm. And of course, what you see in the end is only God's will. I love, I mean, I just, I geek out because if you know, you know, part of the, like the Hebrew or in the the Greek in the New Testament, like it just brings out all of, you know, our English doesn't do it justice at all. Right. <laughs> and, it's you know, true. there's so many different <laughs> levels to, you know, meanings to all of these words. So that's kind of why I geek out with this um when I have like a scholar who knows the actual or like knows more, you know, of, of the text. Um, as we wrap up, what kind of final takeaways do you have for us about this passage? What would you like to leave us with? You know, I think, I think two things jump out at me at first mm-hmm. is, is the fact that Jethro felt free in his relationship with Moses to come alongside him and put a, put his arm around his shoulder, so to speak, mm-hmm. and speak into his life, what he saw. I think that is an amazing gift that I want to be able to give to other people. I want to be able to come alongside and speak the truth in love and help them get better. The second thing I see is that Moses had such a teachable spirit that he received that as it was intended. And I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that kind of leader who has such a teachable spirit that they will receive what is given in that way. I think we can learn from both of those because both of those, that's the two parts of living in community the giving and the receiving. And every one of us is capable of both of those. Uh, can you just imagine what our world would be like if we were both Jethro and Moses, like in the way that you described? I mean, <laughs> like, may I it just, be so. <laughs> I mean, the changes would be amazing if we had leaders that were teachable and we had people to lift them up and approach them. You know, I just, yeah, uh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for picking this passage and for sharing your reflections. Um, at the end, I give people a chance to promote. So is there anything you want us to check out, like a website, social media? You know, I just I just published a new book and it's oh, cool. on leadership. I called it Catalytic Leadership. And all of the principles in the book obviously come out of my relationship with my Heavenly Father, right? It's, it's part of who I am. It's part of my DNA. But these principles are written in such a way that no matter where you are in your faith journey, you can take these principles and you can begin to apply them because I want to see leaders get better because when leaders get better, like I say, everybody in the organization feels it mm-hmm. and the mission is advanced and the people are valued and built up and the ball is moved up the field. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to offer that to the people who are listening to your podcast uh, for free. Uh, I've got a website. You can go to it's catalyticleadershipbook.com. And if you go there, I do ask you pay shipping to so I can get that to you, but I'll be mm-hmm. glad to to give that for free to any of the listeners of your podcast. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. What a gift. We haven't had somebody offer anything free. That's exciting. <laughs> um, so I hope people take advantage of that. I think I will. I mean, I think that's a great offer. Thank you. That's very generous. Um, any other websites or any, are you on social media or anything like that? I am. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, William Attaway. Okay. And uh, I, I do coaching. You can go to catalyticleadership.net and that's where I do coaching for leaders. Uh, I do one-on-one coaching uh, to help leaders begin to identify and learn how they need to intentionally begin to move toward intentional growth. 
Mm, that's so important. That's great. Um, if you all would like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out. Um, I'm also on Twitter, which I kind of use to tweet um, what's going on in my classroom and things that I'm doing. It's at Miss Druckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One. And if you want to talk scripture with me, you can reach out to me on either platform. I'd love to have you as a guest. But thank you, William, so much for picking this passage and sharing all of your reflections with us. I really appreciate it. Julia, thank you so much for having me on. This has just been so much fun and a joy. (laughs) Bye, everyone.